Okay, you guys, y'all know I'm always trying to give y'all some information. A lot of people don't know that it's going on. But this week is American Seed Fund. They have a new <laughs> funding opportunity through SBA to help you if you have some type of technology um, or you want to enhance your business and technology where they are giving funding. So let's listen, and I'm going to talk to you guys after the broadcast. Listen to this here, okay? So America's Seed Fund, again, non-dilutive, um, and really to kind of help you take that technology and commercialize it. And we'll talk about what that word commercialization means, but that is an important element. We're not doing research for research sake. We're trying to move it forward, and we're trying to get into things that um, can transition into what we kind of talk about is this phase three. I'm sorry, I went too fast. So again, great ideas come from anywhere. Um, we really are trying to expand the diversity of the program and that's geographic, demographic. We want to make sure that regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, orientation, geography, whatever, we're getting those proposals and those ideas. So the goal of this week is to really make sure people are aware of what the funding opportunities are, how to apply, and make sure as many people apply to the program that uh, it, it fits and so that we get those ideas from there. The idea is so you'll hear the agencies talk about different phases, phase one, two, and three. Um, the simple side of it is phase one is that early stage uh, proof of concept. It's, they're looking six to 12 month effort, anywhere from 50,000 to 275,000. In some cases, even more than that for some of the agencies. Um, and that's really the, that first stage uh, that, that was funded with the um, federal funding. And then if that goes well, agencies will fund a couple of phase ones in different areas and, and many, many phase ones. And then those will lead into phase two. And at that stage, you're gonna develop your technology for more, uh, maybe prototype development. And those are typically 24 months, 750,000 to 1.8 million. Uh, and then the goal, and then what's unique about this program, especially for the uh, mission agencies we'll talk about later, is that once you've awarded, been awarded a phase one, and if the Department of Defense wants to continue that program into this phase three, it's a non-competitive award. But when we talk about phase three, we're really talking about, we want to fund research that commercializes, whether that's going into a, a military hardware onto the uh, the Hubble, I mean, or, or the James Webb um, um, telescope, or to the private sector. So our goal is to kind of help you move that technology forward. So what do you have to be to be an SBIR company? I'm sorry, my slides are sent. Um, you have to be a for-profit company located within the United States. Less than 500 people, but most are less than 10. Um, and then owned and controlled by U.S. citizens or permanent residents. So you can be a startup, you can be an established company. And, and typically these companies are and have uh, tech, um, advanced technologies research type expertise. These are the requirements of it to be an SBIR app. So what do we fund? We really fund everything across the board. So I think, um, you know, whether it's ag tech and, and different agencies, I think what's important and what I like to point out on this slide is uh, clean energy, um, climate sciences and things. You know, you would sometimes you might think, well, Department of Energy will, will fund some of those things, but also the Department of Defense funds a ton on uh, climate sciences, because obviously, uh, climate affects what the Department of Defense does. And so you don't want to look at one agency and say, well, that's the agency for me. Um, 
and really we're going to kind of talk a little bit and you're going to dig into more of the agencies on how do I find topics and how do I make sure that what I'm doing, I know who to apply to. So again, we find across the board, um, but I think what's important to understand then kind of is you'll, you'll hear about agencies talk about grants and contracts and market driven and mission driven and technology pull and things like that. So what's important is um, the, the market driven side, these are typically agencies that are doing grants and they're looking for the idea to come from you. You're coming up with a solution, a problem that you think your technology can address. And so that's very much driven by the entrepreneur, um, the, uh, you know, the one with the idea. And that is typically uh, these agencies. And what's nice is this is the first list. I think we're showing you all the agencies that participate in the program. So by law, an agency has to participate in the program if they have over a hundred million in R and D and they have to set aside at least 3.2% of that to fund small businesses through SBIR wow. and a smaller pot 0.45% to fund FTTR. So again, that includes the Department of Energy, Health and Human Services with the big player of NIH, National Science Foundation, USDA, NIST, NOAA, EDA, and EPA. And those are the ones typically doing grants and typically those are your market driven. They are not going to buy your technology typically. So they're looking for you to fund an idea that falls into their responsibilities, but they want to see you then typically move that into the commercial sector. Okay. Very different at the Department of Defense, NASA, DHS, and DOT. Those organizations are looking to fund ideas to solve specific problems they need resolved. They want to buy the technology. They want to use the technology. Okay. And that's where that phase three transition into a non-competitive award for them to continue to fund it really comes into play because the federal government they can they can go reach back out and make up phase three awards of any size you can actually even as a company grow above the small business size standard and still get phase but those groups when they put out topics those are usually tighter topics they're looking for a specific need um, to address a specific need but they're probably not going to tell you how to solve it they're looking for you to come up with the ideas on how to solve it but they, they, they have a focus and a, and a real requirement and a time frame of when they need that technology. So a lot of resources out there, and I think this is an important chart to kind of, uh, since this is a week long event, you do have time to kind of do some um, searching on the web and kind of learn a little bit more about the program. And we have some great resources for that. So you're gonna hear about a, a rebranding of our sbir.gov website uh, on Friday. Um, so we are really trying to make that site uh, more easy to use from a non kind of government speak uh, uh, strategy. So, but sbr.gov has some great information and tutorials, you know, how to learn more about the program, how to stay aware of things. Uh, I really strongly recommend that everyone on this call sign up to our newsletter that comes out monthly. And that's uh, if you link on the bit.ly lit, um, list there. The, Important thing too, you'll, you'll hear about the program um, does expire at the end of this year. So this program, again, has been in place for 40 years, but each set of years, sometimes it's for eight, uh, it has to be reauthorized and it needs to be reauthorized by September 30th of this year. And so people ask about, well, is it going to be authorized? What's going to happen? What's the um, impact if it's delayed for a little bit? Best place to get all that information is through our uh, website and through our um, newsletter. So I recommend anyone 
was um, curiosity there to, to go um, to that site. And so we'll also try to keep everyone informed. We're, we're confident that Congress will work on this, and they are working on it hard, and then we'll get to a solution uh, and get this program reauthorized again www.sbir.gov. So, a great source for information is our tutorials. You can get agency overviews, which you'll get later this week. But you know, maybe you want to catch up a little bit and, and get a little bit ahead and learn a little bit more about each program, each agency, some of the basics of the program, even looking at topics. I always recommend um, folks to go in and actually look at awards and see in your technology what are the kind of things that are funded and by who um, and that might then help you indicate okay these are agencies maybe i wouldn't have thought about maybe i would have um, but they are the ones that funding kind of the, the work that i do so there's a lot of great resources on sbir.gov some great tutorials and so i really strongly recommend everyone take advantage of that and check that out now, another really big part is uh, we're a small office. We, we can you know directly engage every individual that wants to participate in this program. So what we've done is, is to set up local assistance organizations. And so I think it's really important. Uh, we're not gonna have those individuals as part of this event. You're gonna mainly hear from the agencies, but it is important to take advantage of that. And so if you go to our SBR.gov local assistance, we have really over 500 um, partners across the SBA platform. So that includes our district offices, our um, small business um, offices and things. But but also with SBIR, uh, we have some specific programs that we have funded that really target specific groups. And so with that, our premier group is FAST, and we have 33 organizations currently funded. And if you go to SBIR about FAST, you can find out who in your state is the coordinator across that state and they provide a lot of education they also provide oftentimes um, some funding to help you develop proposals or direct assistance and so there's a lot of great opportunities that states have and the best way to find out about what they are is to reach out to your fast partner good news is that we are about to award probably an additional 10 plus uh, fast awards in addition to these 33 that already exist so we're really working hard to try to make sure that there's a rep in every state that is available to you uh, and paid and funded by SBA and local resources also being funded by um, to really help you uh, figure out the program and take the next steps and figure out is it right for you? If it is, okay, I wanna go after that agency. How do I write a proposal? How do I so real important group. And another group that we did award in, in 21, but these organizations are existing right now. So they got funding, smaller amounts of funding, but again, organizations that know what SBIR is, they're here to help and focus on the tech um, company, uh, the entrepreneur that's really moving technology forward. And so that's another great source uh, to, to identify and to work with. And so if you go to our accelerator group, that'll list all the groups and organizations that we have funded. So really um, encourage you to reach out to these organizations to take those next steps. So I think, you know, important, use sbir.gov website. You're gonna see a big launch uh, and how we've improved upon that, but also join our listserv, um, reach out, and, um, and and the email for technology at sba.gov is the best way to get access to us. This is gonna be an exciting week. I'm gonna turn it over to Jen in a second, and she's gonna kind of tell you how to make the most of this week and really how to take advantage and learn as much as possible through this, uh, 
special SBIR week that we have, or I should say, sorry, America's Seed Fund Week, our new brand. So with that, I want to turn it over to Jen. Ben, thanks, uh, and all yours. Thanks, John. Yes, it's uh, fantastic to see the activity in the chat and the question and answers. So, you know, that's actually one of our goals for you this week is to gain insight from each other as well and learn about the resources that are are uh, possible. Um, stop sharing. I Sorry. can share uh, as well, but I, I, so we, oh, fantastic. Thanks, John. Um, so today, really, we're trying to make sure that people get a chance to learn enough about America's Seed Fund to determine, is this actually the right program for you? and what can you do to take the next step? Gain insight into what it takes to develop a proposal, submit an application, how the agencies vary, and who might be a good fit for your business, and then what success looks like and how we can help. And so that's the programming from SBA that we uh, um, have here to support for you. And that way you can also hear directly from the federal agency program managers and learn about all of the different resources. So John mentioned our local resource partners across the country. I see some of them in the chat. So the next slide talks a little bit about what you should see on the schedule for America's Seed Fund Week. And you can filter to see all the SBA-led programs. And pretty soon, I'm going to be introducing our first panel where you can get a lot of your questions that you've been throwing in already uh, answered. And then you can see that kind of overall, we are bringing you on Thursday a special double header uh, with the Federal Laboratory Consortium and Ecosystem, as well as the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office and U.S. Copyright Office to come talk about how to protect your intellectual property. And uh, but throughout the next few panels uh, today, tomorrow and Wednesday, you're going to hear from uh, at least nine different agencies that fund the SBIR and STTR programs. And on the next slide, what I wanted to highlight here was those agencies. So it's beyond just connecting with the Small Business Administration. Really, this is about connecting with the agencies that fund these companies. And so I strongly suggest that you go on Tuesday after the panel. We've got reverse pitches from all of these agencies. So you can hear what is it that they fund? What is it that they care about? How do you interact and, and reach out to them? So every 25 minutes, you're going to hear from another federal agency, but throughout the 2 to 4 p.m. Uh, block of time, there are going to be agency representatives hanging out at like an expo hall. You can come ask them, ask them questions. Do you ask them, you know, do you actually uh, fund pilots and flight simulators? Do you fund things in the infrastructure area? And there's such variety. One of the beautiful things uh, though it may be somewhat complex that there's so many different agencies and different processes. The beautiful thing about it is that that means there's a lot of flexibility and there's a, probably a place for you and your technology. Beyond the agencies, uh, the next slide shows you how to find the local community events that are happening. So if you filter the schedule on americaseedfund.us, you can find those community partners who are hosting their own events and you can figure out, you know, and talk to them about whether uh, your program is right for for this, this funding. And then they'll also know many other resources that may be available to you. So this is a great way to start to get to know your local community support 
uh, and that's also in the schedule. So please do check out some of the programs today. I know that Idaho and Texas are uh, having a couple of uh, programming to, to introduce you to their programs as well as more detailed specifics. So maybe this is not the right stage for you. Uh, it, this is too high level here for, uh, for you on the SBA side and you've already applied. Maybe you wanna talk to, for some more specific help. And finally, um, I think that we, I get to now introduce our first panel about getting started. So getting started with America's Seed Fund, we've got a fantastic moderator, uh, Eldon Hawks from the Small Business Administration, and then three amazing speakers to represent NASA, Dr. Quentin Bonds, the National Science Foundation, with Dr. Rajesh Mehta, and April Richards from the Environmental Protection Agency. So over to you, Eldon. Thank you, Jennifer, appreciate it. Good afternoon, everyone. As Dr. She said, I am Eldon Hawks, and I serve as the Partnership Innovation Specialist here at SBA. And I've had the great fortune throughout my 10 plus year um, government career to work specifically with America's Seed Fund. And in all of my experience and all of my interactions with um, people all over the country, the number one question that is asked is, how do I get started? Well, that's what we're here today to hopefully answer. And we have a great panel here who has decades of experience with SBR, TTR, and America's Sea Fund as a whole. And I'd like to introduce you to them briefly, and then I'll have them introduce themselves. Uh, first, we have April Richards from the United States Department of, excuse me, United States Environmental Protection Agency. I want to say Department of Environmental Protection. <laughs> um, and also we have Quentin Barnes from NASA. And then we have Rajesh Menta from the National Science Foundation. And I would like, April, for you to start with a basic introduction of yourself, your agency, and a common piece of advice you would give to someone just starting out. All right. Thank you uh, for having me. I am April Richards. I am the program manager for the Environmental Protection Agency's SBIR program. And I think I'm the representative for the small agencies. Um, so EPA, a small agency, but super important mission, which is to protect human health and the environment. So we are looking for technologies that are going to help us uh, meet that mission. And I think you guys are on the right track because I think it is a little overwhelming this program. There's so many moving parts. So today and this week, you'll hear from a lot of different agencies. You can kind of say maybe this one is a good one. This one doesn't really fit, but you can start with a lot of information instead of trying to navigate all of our websites and and, and other ways to find us. This is a good way to start. Um, I think you're really just trying to figure out, does SBIR work for me? Is it a good part of my investment strategy for my small business? And what agencies should I target? Um, it is great non-dilutive equity in your company, but it's the government. So there's a few bureaucratic challenges that you might have to face. So you're gonna need to do your homework to figure out what those are. So I will stop there. Thank you, April. Well, yes, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, thank you, Eldon. So for uh, National Science Foundation, uh, you saw that slide from uh, John, uh, which talked about all the topics. Uh, that are funded by uh, SBR program in general. Uh, we fund all those topics and more. So if you don't see a topic on that list, you can still apply because we have a topic called other topics. 
So uh, we welcome all the small businesses and we look forward to working with you. Thank you, Rajas. Quinton. Hey, good morning, everybody. Looking forward to America's Seed Fund Week. So I am Quentin Barnes from NASA's SBR SDTR uh, program. I work in the program management office on several programs from SBR to we also just launched what we call our Ignite program for more product-driven commercialization-focused firm. You may see me at some of the outreach events. But the main, I think, advice that I would give to firms, uh, April kind of alluded to it, but do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. For NASA, we have tons of topics. We don't have an open topic. We are a contracting agency, meaning that we want to use your technology. Uh, phase one and phase two, uh, phase one is a concept study. Phase two is a kind of a prototype or MVP. And so, and so what I mean by do your homework is look at the solicitation, try to find, make sure that your technology is an answer to what our scientists and engineers are asking in the solicitation. Our solicitation is broken down into subtopics. So under those subtopics, there are scopes and our scientists and engineers, subject matter experts clearly call out what they're looking for in those subtopics and those scopes. And so, you know, look at those subtopics and scopes and do searches and do your research throughout, you know, the website, through our website and NASA's website to see, you know, how can your firm meet a need? How can you solve a problem for us? In addition, show your commercialization, but that will come a little further on. So that's the best advice that I could give to firms. Thank you, Quentin. Now, I'm going to stay with you for this first question. Okay. How does one get started? You know, that's the, the number yeah. one million dollar question. How you get yeah. started in, in that answer? Could you talk about some of the differences that you see compared to, say, approaches scientists versus someone who's a business side, also new and existing entrepreneurs? Yeah, great question, Elvin. Great question. I'm, and I'm glad you asked the question. And because you all are on this call, I'm going to give you all some inside information that we don't just share with everybody, okay? So for firms that's looking to get started, you're brand new, you're fresh. What I've seen is that the firms that have done the best with NASA, each organization is different. They have kind of looked at, okay, what, what is my expertise and how can I find who at NASA is working in my area of expertise? One of those ways that you do that, that I feel like is the low-hanging fruit way, is whatever your technology is. So I'm a microwave guy. I've built microwave instruments for years in NASA and outside of NASA. I would search for, you know, microwave instrument or radiometer type of antenna, and I would just put NASA in Google Scholar. Try to find who is working on that, you know, look at the author's name in Google Scholar. Everybody knows about Google Scholar, that deep tech research and development. And Maybe send them an email, not to sell them your product, but send them an email saying, hey, I'm interested in your technology. I work in this area. Can I have a little bit more background about what you're doing? And get a, start a dialogue. Like, the, again, the firms that I found that are, are the most successful at NASA, they've built relationships with the PIs and the cores. Again, this is not mandatory, all right? You're just not mandatory. You can blindly go in and put in a, in a war. I've seen firms win that way. But I'm also talking about you know, what I've seen as the best way to get into the door. So that's number one. I gave you that example of Google Scholar. Number two, unfortunately, is kind of an all-out search. We have a decadal survey for all of our different areas. Look at the way NASA structure is bro broken down. We have uh, four mission directors, which we recently went to five. So we have an aeronautics, space technology mission directorate, science mission directorate. We also have a HEO, Human Exploration Mission Director, which we just broke down into two separate mission directors, right? Each of those mission directors have what we call a decadal survey, 
what we want to do over the next 10 years. So search our Decatur surveys, search the Game Changing Development web website, the Tipping Point website, and everybody knows we have the Artemis website, right? You can just go to NASA and search all the different things that I've just said and get a better understanding of what we are doing with NASA. And again, your your goal is to build relationships. You know, Even if you have to have they, uh, John and some of the others talked about the community development organizations, if you're not privy to how to build relationships, hopefully your local community development organizations will help you understand and give you some strategies on how to build relationships rather than just selling the technology for purchase. That's and uh, maybe we'll have a Q and A at the end if people need further uh, yeah, explanation. Good. But that, that's the best advice that I can give. Thank you, Chris. Yes, just same question, but also try to expound a little bit as far as NSF is concerned, as far as that relationship portion is concerned when it comes to getting your foot in the door, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, for NSF, uh, what we have done is we have actually streamlined our process because we get massive number of uh, inquiries. So we actually want you to develop a relationship with the program, not the program directors. We have a lot of good information on our website. And uh, since we are open to all the topics, we are telling everybody that if your idea meets our merit review criteria, we are very interested in working with you, regardless of the topic. So whether you are a scientist or you are a commercial expert, uh, just come to us and explain to us why what you are trying to work on is important for the society. How is that going to be commercially viable? And what are the huge technical challenges that you are facing that justifies the taxpayer funding? And you can look at our website. We also have a tool that you can uh, look at what we have funded in last 10 years or so. And you can actually get a sense for kind of projects that have been supported by NSF. Thank you, Rajesh. Now, April, same question to you, but I also want you to talk about there any differences considering, especially compared to our other colleagues here, your agency has a, a, a drastically smaller budget than NASA and NSF. Does that impact how people get their foot in the door when it comes to EPA? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we have a drastically smaller budget of my, yeah, to save the planet is my joke, uh, not so funny joke. But yeah, so we're really mission focused, right? We really want to, we want technologies that are going to help us meet that mission. So kind of like unlike Rajesh, we have a fairly specific list of topics and we really only want you to apply if you're addressing one of those topics because we want you to have a reasonable success of being funded, a reasonable chance of being funded. So we can't unfortunately fund everything that would help the planet. We're trying to pick some priority areas every year, focus on those. And if you do have a technology that will help us um, solve one of those, then you will have a reasonable chance of getting funded like you would at, a, at another larger SBI or agency. And again, we're EPA, I know I've said it, but we get excited if you're like, if you're, you know, reducing your carbon emissions, if you're lowering toxicity, if you're addressing energy use and water use. So if you show us all of those things that you're doing, we'll get excited about those proposals. So I always tell people to really emphasize things that help support uh, our mission. Thank you. Now I have a question from the audience and I'll paraphrase this. 
Uh, they're talking about what if the IP is not about technology, but rather the application of technologies in a new way. Uh, in this case, they give building a new level infrastructure systems beyond the program's intent or capacities. Is that a fair assessment? So basically, you know, you were talking about IPs that are about technology that are really are repurposing that technology in new and different ways. How, nicely, how accessible, but how much of your agency's um, sort of research and development allows for that when it comes to the application process? So, I guess uh, I could, oh. go ahead, go ahead, Quentin. Yeah, I guess I could kind of start there. So, for NASA, you know, we're, we're looking for deep tech research and development. So, we're, we're not really looking for a repurposing of a current technology. And I think that's just because of the type of work we do, right? Like, like if, if, if we're building instrumentation, basically for Artemis, that's the program that we want to go to the moon with intentions of going to Mars, it's, it's hard to take you know, something that you've already developed and just like add a widget. However, uh, look through our solicitation, look through the different subtopics and see, because I could be wrong, we got a hundred and I think five or six subtopics this year, but look through our current solicitation, get a better understanding of when the new solicitation comes out, get a better understanding of, of what our scientists and engineers are looking for. And you may be able to do that, even though I can't really see that being happening because we, we're looking again, deep tech research and development, creating new technologies, things that have not currently existed. But I think that's that's from the NASA standpoint. Thank you, Quentin. Rajesh. So from NSF perspective, what we typically look for is the major technical challenge in accomplishing the goal. So it really doesn't matter whether it's a brand new technology or a repurposed technology. Can you demonstrate that the degree of complexity and degree of challenge involved is significant? Because we are really looking for high risk, high reward idea. So you have to establish the high risk part of it. And then it would be okay uh, to apply to our program. April. Yeah, I would say sort of somewhere in the middle. I think ideally we want disruptive technologies or really game changers. That's kind of what we'd like to see. Like Rajesh said, high risk, um, high payoff. But I think in practice, our portfolio definitely has, I hate the word repurposed. That sounds like a used car or something, but that's, you know, like maybe it's just a new application, right? You're taking a technology and you're targeting at a new contaminant or some new a problem that we have. So if it does address a problem that we have and it's a new application, I do think um, it, it is it is would be eligible. Okay, thank you. Everybody. One more question um, before we get into sort of the main tract of things. Um, how or can you send the proposal simultaneously, meaning the same proposal to various agencies at the same time, or do you have to do it sequentially to various agencies? So if one doesn't fit your technology, technology doesn't fit that one agency, uh, would it be best to move on to another one? Or would it be best to send out that technology if it fits for multiple agencies to multiple agencies to see what happens? Uh, I can take that. Uh, okay. uh, we actually uh, have no problems you sending your proposals to various agencies. However, you have to declare that in your application that you are applying to other agencies. And if you are so lucky to be uh, awarded, potentially awarded by uh, multiple agencies, then you have to pick one. You cannot have funding 
for doing the same work from two agencies. Uh, that's a no. Yeah, our, our rules are exactly the same. I, I think those rules are across the SBA. Same thing uh, Rajesh said. So. Thank you, Winter. Now, quick point about the last question as far as multiple, not multiple, but um, IPs being reused. A lot of that's going to come down to the agency. Some agencies are going to be very specific about innovation as what we talked about here. Um, also, some are very open to repurposing existing IPs, existing technology, um, if it fits their purpose. Uh, before my life at um, SBA, I was at USDA and I started quite often. Uh, DOD, depending on the solicitation and the branch, um, will repurpose technology if it fits the needs that they have for the warfighter. So a lot of that is just going to come down to what the agency's research priorities are and their needs are overall. So that's what you really have to look into. And that also goes in a lot into where you need to start, what you need to do before you can start. And a part of that is identifying which agencies you want to go to target and talk to. But also, April, I'm going to start with you. Can you talk about that starting process for a company? Does a company need to have a formal structure? And do they need to know all the key personnel when they apply? Yeah, I think the answer is yes. Um, again, this sort of goes to these, the bureaucratic hurdles. Like there's just multiple registrations that you have to have in place to apply. So for us, we use a portal, FedConnect. I think we are unique in that portal. But to apply with FedConnect, you have to have your SAM registration. We, we do contracts. So I think any contracting agency, you have to have that SAM registration. And, and that's got quite a bit of a lead time. And it's kind of out of our hands, by the way. It's a separate system. So you really have to get that kind of locked down outside of working with EPA or other agencies. Um, you have to go to SBA, right, and get that um, SBC control ID number to register with them. That's pretty easy, right, Eldon? That should be super easy, isn't it? Yes. And then um, you have to you have to have your DUNS, which is now UEI, right? You have to have that number. So there's just those things you have to have in place. You really need them at time of award, but the way our systems work, you really need it at the time you apply because they all feed into each other. Okay, thank you. How about, and this is more of a question for everyone um, specifically in general, how about that team? Does do you need to know your key personnel, all of your key personnel at the time of application? I'll just keep answering since okay. I'm talking, but for us, we evaluate on teams. So you really, you would have to tell, that's a big criteria criterion for us. So I think you'd want to, because that's partly how you're going to get evaluated. So I don't see how you would add people later. Um, so yes, you, you will be evaluated on your team, both business and technical qualifications. Okay. Thank you, Rajesh. Yeah, I would just uh, agree with uh, what April said. Uh, we also say that, uh, you know, not the senior people, uh, but other people that you may want to hire uh, and uh, you are looking for them. There you can just say, these are the qualifications we need. This is the skill set uh, that is needed and give the uh, appropriate code number so evaluators can understand what is the gap that you're trying to fill with that skill set. So there you don't need to have the names. Uh, but you have to recognize that uh, those are the places you are keeping them as placeholders on the team. Okay, thank you, Josh. Quentin, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with both of my colleagues. Uh, in addition to that, we're also going to look at your facilities. So we're going to see if you have the facilities to do the work 
that you say you can do it. And if you just look at it from a practical standpoint, right? If you were subcontracting your work, you're going to want to know, like, can they do the work? And so for NASA, we are going to look at your team. We're going to look at your level of experience. Can you do the work? Do you have an expert that's, you know, you have this key enabling technology that can, can take things to the next level. You know, do you have the expertise that can actually do that? So the answer is yes. And Eldon is asking some awesome questions. This is some great getting started questions. So firm, you all should really uh, pay attention to this. This is one of the, some of the best getting started questions I ever heard. Okay, thank you. Now, Quentin. Can, can I, I jump on one more oh, thing? Go just, ahead, April. I would just want to say, like, I just, we definitely want you to have experience and know what we are doing, but we've really at EPA, we've even tried to like broaden our criteria so we're not penalizing startups. So if you don't have a track record, show us that you have the potential to commercialize. So while well, you need to have your company and everything, but we are trying not to penalize you if you're a startup and you don't have a track record of commercialization, as long as you have gotten your ducks in a row and you've got some commercialization experience on hand. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, and I would say the same thing for NASA. Like we don't, we we are. When I say we're looking at your team, we're not saying that that you all should have, you know, develop a certain amount of technologies in your current team. Just do you all like have experience? Because like we we were looking, I was looking at some of our post awards. That's past phase one and phase two. You can get awarded up to I think probably an extra two and a half to three million dollars past phase one and phase two. And some of the firms were like three three person firms, and some of them were first time awardees. And so, just like April mentioned, we want startups, we want first time awardees. We just want you all to show that you can actually do work. So I'll just say for NSF, uh, uh, almost half of the awards that we have made in 2020 were to first time applicants. They never applied to any federal agency ever. Eighty-five uh, percent or more of the companies had uh, fewer than 10 employees and 95% of the companies were started in last five years. So we are really startup friendly and we welcome people with great ideas to look at our program. That's actually a great segue I was just now. One of the things that I wanted to mention is that in the past few years, 46% of the awards have gone to new applicants, new businesses. So it's not as if you have this glut of uh, award winners constantly getting awards every single year and shutting out the little guy, shutting out the new guy. Um, during my time at USDA, many of the companies were very small companies, two, three people, and a lot of them were absolutely brand new, started with a great idea, great technology in order to pursue either an SBI, SBI award. And you see that a lot with many free printers across the board when it comes to those that try to compete for this sort of funding. Now, what I wanted to ask about is, and I'll stick with you, Rajesh, in this one, could you talk to us about who can you talk to at NSF? You know, who or what do I need or what does an applicant need to do uh, before they can talk to someone at your agency about the project? Like, talk about that sort of, is there a blockout period? Are there specific questions or things they need to come with if they want to talk to someone uh, with regards to potentially applying? Um, talk to us about that at NSF, please. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> we have actually instituted a process uh, that seems to be the most time efficient because of the volume of inquiries. So the first thing you want to do is go to our website seedfund.nsf.gov 
is chock full of very useful information. There is a recorded webinar. We also have ongoing webinar every week where you can talk to a program director live. And a lot of these frequently asked questions that have been answered. Then the next step is you submit a project pitch, which is like a three-pager, one paragraph each on some four basic questions that gives us the background information about what is it that you are curious about. And we promise that we will return uh, a response to you within four weeks. Uh, that's the promise we make. In general, the time is actually a few days. Uh, you get an answer whether your idea is something that would fit into the program or not. If there is insufficient information, we ask for that information. Or if there is a need for a conversation, at that point, the program director will have an opportunity to talk to you. Uh, we actually do not encourage people to try to reach out to us uh, simply because of the volume of emails and phone calls we are getting. So the best thing to get in touch with NSF is to go to website, submit a project pitch, and take it from there. Thank you, Rajesh. April, can you comment on a sort of period as far as talking to, asking questions, things of that nature, please? Sure. Um, and I guess so the flip side of being a small agency is I'm kind of it for the for the program. So you can contact me. Um, I can help navigate to topic authors if there are questions about specific topics, but basically all roads lead to me. Um, and I'll say we have a solicitation open right now. Um, and so I am getting a lot of questions from potential proposers. And we have a very knowledgeable contracting officer now that actually lets me answer questions in a general format. So even now, I'm allowed to provide general feedback. So we really don't have a hard and fast blackout period. We just kind of want to help you figure out whether you should be spending all that time to submit a proposal or not. So yeah, feel free to email me. That's the best way. Um, again, I would love it if you read the topics first um, so that you know that you, you think you have an idea that fits one of our priority areas. So as Rajesh said, definitely checking the, the website would be a great place to start. And Quentin. Yeah, so you actually asked that question at a great time. Right now, we're not in blackout. Uh, our selections were announced sometimes late May, early June. So what you can do is just go to our website, down year, download last year's solicitation, okay? So the PY22 solicitation, download it and look at the subtopics from last year. And at each subtopic, it shows you which centers are leading that particular work. And you can reach out to the CTTL, that's the center technology leader, the center lead for each agency, each, each one of our NASA centers. So if you don't know about NASA, we have 13 NASA centers and the centers that do research and development are listed, their, their acronyms are listed in our solicitation. And so you can just Google our solicitation again, go in and look and see which subtopics are relevant last year and reach out to the, the contact person there. Uh, you'll have to look at our program contacts page to see which particular agency that person is from. Um, I don't know if I can, can I, can I share my screen? Is that possible? I believe so. Yes. All right. I'm going to take a shot at this. Let's see if I can share my screen to show you how, we, how you do this real quick. Uh, let's see. All right. So, all right. This is our solicitation, right? And you just download it. And once you get into the solicitation, you can do it. You'll be able to go to the program contacts page. Uh, can you all see, still see the contacts page? 
And so through, you can see here pretty much every NASA center. So uh, th these are the mission directors, but every NASA center, Armstrong, let me see if I can make it bigger. Armstrong, Ames, uh, Goddard, each NASA center has a program contact and their, their emails are listed here. Okay. And so hopefully that makes it easy for you to find out once you look at the solicitation, who to contact, all right? Okay. And I'm gonna give it back over to you, Elder. Thanks, That's sir. Good. This I'm right. stick with you with this one. I'll go back around. But with, uh, Elden, yes, Elden, sir, yeah, may I just add one more thing? Yes, I forgot to mention. Um, you can submit a project pitch to NSF anytime. Uh, there is uh, no window, no deadline, or nothing. Okay. And also for the proposals, uh, we accept proposals uh, during windows, and that is three times a year. So uh, basically, you can submit a proposal almost on a rolling basis. Thank you, Rajesh. Can I add to that as yes, well? Yes, ma'am. Small agency <laughs> perspective, flip side, we only have one opportunity a year. So like I think like the small five have one opportunity per year, more or less. So there's one window to submit, and then you kind of have to wait until the next cycle. Right. One of the things uh, you're going to see is that depending on the agency, there are different windows for when you can apply. And oftentimes that may dictate as well when and how and whom you can contact also. Uh, yeah. So a lot of it just going to do your research. Uh, America Seed Fund US is a great place to start uh, when it comes to really finding out who to talk to, where where to go, and who to talk to. Yeah, and adding on to that, just to give even more specifics for NASA, while our solicitation is open, is we're in blackout until the selections selections announced. So for us, the selections were announced until June. Around November, December, start looking for us to make announcements of when our solicitation is released. It could be released from anywhere from like December-ish to January. And, and right now, SBRI is getting reauthorized, so that could shift either way. But once once we release that solicitation, we're in blackout and we can't share much. Uh, our scientists and engineers can't talk much. But we also have an Ignite solicitation that's live. Uh, just do Google SBRI Ignite. The topics are shortened. The solicitation is short, meaning that uh, we'll take we're, the the number, the page count. We're adding the, uh, the the page count to the solicitation is short. You submit a uh, presentation that maybe if you if you're ranked high, you can present that in front of other uh, judges. In addition to that, we're trying to streamline the review process and all these different things. And so that's our ignite solicitation. We've never done that before. This is the first time we've actually had two. Uh, different solicitations for phase one out. That's pretty much it. Go, go ahead. All right. Thank you, Quentin. Appreciate it. All right. That's it for that. You guys, you can always go to sbir.gov. Uh, what they're saying, that gave some good insight. I hope that was a blessing for some of you guys. If you're in technology or you have an idea or prototype that you're doing right now, as you heard, Dr. Uh, I forgot the, I'm looking right at the young man. And uh, let me see. I got to stop saying, oh, I'll be knowing what I'm talking about. See if his name is on here. Dr. Bonds. Uh, awesome. What are they, what? Two African-Americans, uh, minority, women speaking, and then an Asian. So they're very diverse, okay? And as you all heard, maybe you want to repeat this recording and do it again. Um, 
if you have any type of technology that you want to introduce or you know that God didn't gave you this idea to do, I'm telling you guys, they have funding that will be available at the end. You just heard him. They're going to start making the announcements around December, January 2023. So this is the time, you guys, to start getting your paperwork in order. You even heard what he stated, that they're not even going to penalize you if you have never worked with any type of the agencies, NASA or or, or, or the EDA, they have, oh my gosh, you guys, they have so many open opportunities, okay, that you can tap into to get funding. And yes, I am still seeking for additional funding myself, but since God has blessed me with the funding now that I don't have to be like stressful and struggling to take care of myself, well, he has done that. So now this is giving me an opportunity to help someone else, even while I'm still seeking to continue my funding. You see how that works? So come on, you guys. If you need any help with your paperwork, always contact urbanmanagementgroup.com. Go to the contact page. Send me your uh, information. Uh, just, just make an inquiry, and we can get together. Uh, our office will be functional on uh, August 8th. We have um, expanded because we have a new employee. So we had to expand and get another room. And we just a lot of good things that are happening. So it will be full open, in person, full time, August 8th. So right now, just a preparation time. I'm just plugging and I'm just letting you guys know. We have a lot of things coming up, okay? All right. So God bless you. Remember, it's Irvin. It's E-R-V-I-N, managementgroup.com. If you need help with your paperwork or even if you're in business and you're trying to you know, you're like, okay, I know I need to do this, but how can I get funding? What do I need to do? How I incorporate? Hey, we're here for you. Okay. God bless. Our evaluation criteria kind of sort of changes as you go through the different phases. So at phase one, even though we look at commercialization potential, we only look at it a little bit because we know that at phase one, you know, you're just developing a concept study. And you can also apply for what we call our iCorps and our tablet programs to increase your commercialization potential, increase your commercialization score, all right? And so at phase two, we judge a little bit more towards the, what we call the infusion commercialization. So can we use the technology and can it be infused? That's what infusion is about. And can it be commercialized? commercialized? Now, at our post-phase two program, uh, phase two E, will we provide matching funds, I think up to 350 or 75K CCRPP. If we do it next year, we will provide matching funds up to 2.5 million. And the phase three, those we look a lot more towards your commercialization. And in our Ignite program, immediately at phase one in Ignite, we're looking more at your commercialization potential. So ours kind of changes for the regular SBR program. It kind of changes more towards commercialization as you go higher in the program. However, for Ignite, it's very commercialization focused. It's not the main focus, but it's judged probably as much as our post-phase two programs are judged with respect to commercialization. Okay. Thank you, Quentin. Now, I, quick question, because I'm thinking of the answer, at least as far as this panel is concerned. Uh, does your agency offer direct to phase two? And if it just could you tell me if there are any 
different requirements because some agencies like DOD and NIH yeah, do offer director phase two. Do your agencies offer that opportunity? Um, so NSF doesn't have that. Okay. So for SBR, for NASA SBR, our regular SBR program, we do not have it. However, for Ignite, it's kind of yes and no. It's not a director phase two, but for Ignite program, again, it has specialized topics. You can check out our website. We ask for your phase two proposal. Don't quote me on this. Look at our solicitation. I think 120 days into your project. So look at that, four months into your project, we're asking for your phase two proposal so that we can accelerate the process of your phase two award to make it similar to a direct to phase two, even though we weren't, we don't have a specific direct to phase two. And that's just for our Ignite program. Okay. All right. Speaking of different programs, I know not everyone here offers SBI as TTR, but for those agencies that do, could you talk about how SBIR and STTR are treated differently at your agency? You want me to go first? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, we actually uh, don't treat them any differently. Uh, our uh, review criteria are identical. We mix and merge them in our proposals and so forth. So companies that are applying to us uh, for whether they want to apply as SBIR or SPTR, it's a completely business decision. And you should definitely look at uh, what differentiates SBIR from SPTR. In SBIR, you are allowed only one third of the budget to go to outside sources, whereas in SPTR, you can actually give up to 60% of the budget to your partner uh, research institution. In either case at NSF, the applicant is always the small business, not the university. Okay. Thank you, Rajesh. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Well, uh, I was going to let April. Uh, am I muted? We, we don't have, we don't have, with small agency, we don't have direct to phase two and we do not have an STTR program. So nothing to add from my point of view. All right. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Okay, great. So we have STTR. Uh, there are some slight differences, but STTR, just like we just said, the, the small, the small business has to be the PI, but for us, for STTR, they must have a university on the contract for STTR. Just to be clear, uh, universities, you can apply with small businesses or research institutions. You can apply with small business, but SDIR, but for STTR is mandatory. Uh, the phase one for STTR for NASA, we allow 13-month period of performance, whereas the SBR is six-month period of performance. We do that because we understand that, you know, a lot of research institutions are a little bit more research-oriented. Our numbers or percentages for contractors are similar to that of NSF. I think the the Look at our solicitation, but I think the, the research institution has to do at least 40% of the work. And I think they could do like up to 60% 60, 60 of the work for uh, for STTR. And that's for, for phase one. I think phase two, they can do like 50% of the work. Uh, all this stuff is in our solicitation, a lot of nuances. But I think those are the things that's different. But similar to Rajesh, the reviewing, all of those things, you know, they, they go through the same process. Uh, you may have a little bit better chance of winning a STTR at phase two because it's, it's generally speaking less applicants. Obviously, that could change next year, but historically, every year in the past, 
STTR has had uh, less applicants. When we say less applicants, we're talking about, you know, for a particular subtopic, how many applicants were at phase one and what percentage can we award at phase two? And those are the, the things I think that's different for NASA. Thank you, Quinta. I'm just, oh no, Rajesh, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, uh, again, add to what Quentin just said. Even for NSF, for STTR, you must have a research institution as the partner. And uh, the research institution must perform at least 30% of the work uh, of, from the budget, and it can go up to 60%. Thank yeah, you. So it's the same. It looks like it's the same for, for NASA and NSF. That's exactly how I was. Now, Quentin, you keep throwing around this word that begins with C, contracts. Could you tell us about oh. <laughs> how contracts with SBAR and CTR are different than, say, granting agencies? Yeah. Or talk about the contracting yeah. aspect of SBAR and CTR. Yeah, another great question. And, you know, we've been doing this so long that it's great that Eldon will ask this question. And so, you know, I wrote tons of grants uh, because I, I wrote proposals all throughout my graduate school career, you know, but when I got into NASA, you know, then we started writing these proposals as uh, grants, but then they were also contract, right? And so for us, for a contract, we want to use your technology, right? And we're going to use to make quarterly reports, which when I was writing grants as a graduate student, we didn't really do that, right? But you submit quarterly reports, and these quarterly reports what we call demonstration reports. So basically, what you propose in your milestones, remember, work plan is a part of our evaluation criteria. So we, we have it there. We've evaluated it. And we're going to compare uh, each quarter, quarterly reports. You know, what did you propose in your work plan? Are you doing that? How much progress have you made? Okay. Another thing that's a little bit different that people don't realize, even though it's a contract, you still have the IP. So, so you own the IP. The small business owns the IP. We don't try to own your IP, even though it's a contract. However, I think we get a royalty-free use license of the technology for like 20 years. Again, look at the solicitation. Oh, wow. I may be a little off, but I'm 99.9% I'm sure that, that we get a royalty-free license use of the technology, which I think is a win-win for everybody, right? Like if, if we use your technology, you may get a phase three. Again, that's the sole source where we don't have to go through this long contracting process. It's a, it's a sole source direct to you contract. You, We may be able to use that technology that you've developed uh, for us under the SBR program and say, hey, we want to advance that and we can pay you for phase three. So it's, it's a win-win. Um, I think those are the main differences between for us for a grant and a contract. Okay. Uh, would either Rajesh or April like to tackle grants? So I can uh, say, uh, as far as the grants is concerned, uh, we actually are saying that we will never buy anything from you. So why would we fund you? We would fund you because you are coming up with an idea that is going to change the world, as John put on his first slide. And we want to make sure that you are totally committed to it. Uh, if, for example, you have a very strong technical team, but you are weak on the business side, that's a problem because uh, we don't fund just technical research for the uh, sake of technical research. We want you to commercialize it. Also, we are just not happy with, you know, a blockbuster idea that is going to make ton of money would like to see it is actually going to make a significant difference to the society oh, okay. because we are giving you taxpayer dollars free of charge <laughs> so that you can succeed 
in the marketplace and change the world. So uh, that's it. That's our goal, and that's why we fund you. <laughs> That's it. We just want you to change the world. That's our only criteria. <laughs> so it's kind of funny because we're we're sort of in the middle. We do contracts. Um, we do everything with contracts, but um, we are not going to buy it most likely. Um, so we just all we do, I say, is we identify the problem, and then you have to solve the problem and figure out the market. We we don't even know if there's a market for this. It's up. It's the onus is on the company to figure out the market for these issues. So. Um, kind of in the middle between the other agencies. I will say the only like process difference that I know between grants and contracts is like for us, you just have to submit monthly reports and you draw down your contract monthly. So there's like this monthly reporting where I feel like grants is a little bit more longer term, usually have a final report at the end or, but we have sort of regular billing and regular monthly reporting. I can add to that uh, uh, for NSF uh, for phase one, uh, if you get the award, we give you most of the money up front and we leave a little bit of money at the end when, that you can uh, get reimbursed when you submit the final report. There are no other reporting requirements for phase one. For phase two, it is a tranched payment. So it's a million dollar uh, award and we give you $250,000 for every six months up front so you can spend the money. Yeah, actually, my colleagues reminded me of a, a little bit different nuance. We have a contract negotiation period. So after you're awarded, but now so you go to a contract negotiation period and you all kind of negotiate when the payouts will be after which quarterly reports or which reports. So that, that's another difference between us and, I guess, a granting agency. Thank you, Quentin. And just kind of the, put a pin in this one. One of the things I want everyone listening to really, there are some generalities. Uh, usually when you have an, a granting agency, their solicitation is usually very open-ended. They're research-based. Uh, so you have a lot more wiggle room when it comes to what you uh, propose. And um, Rajesh really talked about a lot of that open-endedness of the NSF application because they're purely about the research. And 99.9% of the time, the agency is not looking to purchase whatever you develop. Whereas a granting agency, excuse me, a contracting agency, NASA, DOD, they're looking for a specific technology for specific needs because they're looking ultimately, if you're successful, to purchase it. So they're going to be very specific as to what they need. So there's not going to be a lot of wiggle room when it comes to what you solicit or what you propose um, to that solicitation. So those are two things I really want you to take away as far as some of the main differences between grants and contracts. Now, um, we're going to switch to, we have a few minutes left, a couple of the questions on the Q&A. Uh, this one goes back to the review and evaluation period. Is there an impact on how we are evaluated if the application is submitted at the beginning or the end of the solicitation period? Do you read applications as they come in? So for NSF, uh, uh, you know, we are uh, close to 15 program directors and each one does it a little differently. Uh, some people uh, who have very well-defined subtopics, uh, they set up the panels, so you may be able to get response uh, faster compared to others where we will wait for the submission window to close and then set up the panels. So, uh, as I said, uh, our goal is to actually get you an answer within six months of uh, your application. 
for Naptop simply put no and no. We're not going to start re- re- reviewing them earlier. We're not going to take all points if we turn it in late. Uh, but you may want to consider turning it in early because some people have problems. Like, you know, sometimes we've had firms that, you know, needed to get like, like April mentioned, like the Duns in or something in that they didn't know about. And they was like, oh, it's going to take a long time to get it in and all these different things. We have to go on a platform somewhere else. And, you know, those are cases where it makes sense to get it in a few weeks earlier just to, you know, make sure that you have time to take care of all of the things that, that come up, you know. Yes. Yeah, not a lot to add. We definitely wait. We get them all. And once the solicitation closes, we look at them all as a single batch. But please don't wait. I mean, I say this, but everybody does. Like, we get, like, 100% of our applications on the last day. I don't, it just it's just human nature, right? But, you know, they are clunky government systems. We have people definitely yeah. that, and, and it closes at noon. It closes at noon. If right. you get it in at 12.01, sorry, the system won't even accept it. So, right. yeah, please don't torture yourself and do all that work and then mess it up. Yeah, by, like, right something silly like that. So just make sure you get it in a little before the, the deadline. Uh, I would say that, you know, uh, we are giving you funding to de-risk your ideas. Why would you risk so much money freely available? It's on the table and wait till the last day. Be amazed. Right. I agree. I will say this from being that first line of review when it comes to applications for so many years, and I literally processed hundreds of applications every single year during my time at USDA. You do not want to wait until the last minute. These application systems, when you don't expect them to have issues, they have issues. They have issues. Sometimes you may not find out until after the deadline is over. Yeah. I know Grand yeah. Side was notorious yeah. for that a couple years ago where you didn't find out until 48 hours afterwards that there was an issue. And by then it's too late. Um, also, that way, if you submit early, you can go back, review your application, and maybe resubmit it with the corrected information or something extra uh, that you forgot the first time. So never, ever wait until the last minute. I always say at the latest, submit a week before the due, yes. due date. Yeah. That yeah, way you have we... time to, to make any corrections, or if there's an error, you have time to correct that yes. as well. Yeah, and just to be clear, we're not going to look at applications and say, oh, they submitted early, let's give them some kudos. Right. I don't think we ever looked at a date. You know, again, I've been on both sides. So, and when I was on the reviewer side, I don't ever remember looking at a date and saying, oh, they're tearing theirs in early, let's, you know, let's get one of the fuzzies about the technology. So. All right, let's get one more question. Uh, it was one. Oh, there was one asking about uh, the application size, and I know that's always a question as far as the length of the application, as well as the content of the application. And I, I don't see the exact question here, but they cited the um, Ignite program, Quentin, as a, maybe a model. And this is a question for all of the panelists. How do you feel about the size of the application now for your organization? And do you feel as though maybe there could be more streamlining that needs to be done, or has it been and or has there been any discussion to streamline the application going forward? Yeah, great question. And I'm going to start with this. And, and hear me out, small businesses. Our solicitation says no more than. So we don't want you, if we say no more than 40 pages, I don't know, I don't know what it is going to be for 2023. I'm not asking, I'm not saying write a 40 page proposal. You know, just think, I, I know it's money on the table, but just think about this practically. We want to give you the space you need 
to to describe again do you have a scientific and technical merit is it is it something that we can find all agencies right uh you know do you have the people uh do you have the facilities can it be commercialized we want to give you the space to describe to us that you can do this not just at phase one even though we're, we're talking about phase one we're looking to fund you all the way through like we want to get you throughout the valley of death okay. these are the conversations that we have in our back rooms like how can we get them through the valley of death we don't want to like fund sbr firms we're not trying to fund firms that just do phase one phase one phase one or phase two we want this to help People our nation we're investing when, when we give money to firms this creates jobs it bronze our technology pool makes us more competitive as a nation whether it's from a military standpoint or just from a technology standpoint and so when you write the proposal just write the the, the link that you need to uh you know articulate to us that you can do the work okay and so to answer your second question yes um it's we could streamline the process and, and this is the experiment that we're doing with ignite and so ignite again look at the solicitation i don't, I don't have all these things in my head 100 percent, but i think our we, for phase one to do a white paper is like 12 pages we asked for a presentation, which we, we're calling a, a deck, where you'll present. If you're ranked high, if your complete application is ranked high, you'll present in front of subject matter experts that have a commercialization focus. So meaning that they, they not only are technical, but they understand commercialization. We're going to custom pick this group for Ignite. And so for Ignite, we're going to test that concept. Can we have a shorter application? Can we have a shorter uh, review process? And still be able to to let firms articulate themselves, and so that's the that's why I went into that whole spill about articulating your, yourselves or describing that you can do the work that you have facilities that you have the long term plan and the work plan because we don't want to make it so so small that firms that don't have a lot of experience writing proposals are not able to say everything they want to say. That's why we do the no more than forty pages. Right. But we, we get we give you a lot of space because we're trying to accommodate uh, firms that have experience writing proposals and firms that don't have a lot of experience. And so, again, uh, Ignite, even though it's a shorter, um, a shorter, uh, you know, number of topics, it's a, a less number of topics. Ignite will, will be it's a pilot program. So we're not sure if we're going to do it every year. Ignite will be our chance to determine if, if we streamline this. Is this going to best serve our firms? Thank you. Now, we're just about out of time. April, I want to know if you could talk on that really quick and also give your final words about getting started. Well, I think I'm just going to jump on Quentin's enthusiasm for like a readable proposal. Like we, we definitely follow the review criteria, but like convey that enthusiasm, like make it have someone else read it and see if they can understand it. Sometimes I'm reading a proposal and it's all these numbers and graphs and I can tell they know what they're talking about, but I'm just not quite sure what the impact's gonna be. So I would just say, make sure that enthusiasm and impact is conveyed in a way that people can understand. Thank you, April. Well, yes, final thoughts? Yeah, <clears throat> for NSF, uh, very first page in the proposal is an elevator pitch. And that's your chance to really uh, grab the reviewer's attention. And then you can provide all the necessary details as Quentin was talking about. We care about all those details too, so the reviewers can actually assess your proposal with some confidence. And our maximum page limit is 15, so please don't exceed that. 
but you can even submit it uh, shorter proposals as long as you have covered all the essential points. Thank you, Rajesh. Now, thank you all, Rajesh, April, and Quentin for taking time out today for this panel. I want to make sure that everyone knows that we have a robust suite of uh, panels and also agency pitches over the rest of the week. So make sure you go to americaseedfund.us for a total schedule of all the events that are happening this week. Thank you all for joining us. Yeah, was a lot. Oh, Jesus, let me go. Man, yes, tell you. So now, 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 you guys, can't y'all see what's happening? This is how all of this being funded. More. This is how this is being funded. Wow. That's a lot of information. <laughs> a lot of information. I got to do a brain dump because I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know. I just take your time, you guys. Uh, step by step. You can do it. Y'all can do this. You just have to buckle down. It's a lot of work. Sometimes it's overwhelming because it gets overwhelming for me sometimes. You know, but just be encouraged and, and let's do it. Let's get it done. I mean, I have some technology ideas, but you heard what he said. He wants... They just don't want to fund you in phase one, meaning you put in your proposal and tell them what you want to do, right? Now, once you tell them what you want to do, they're going to give you money and time to research, get your prototypes and everything. And then the next phase, you guys, they're going to fund you more money to start actually building it, right? Whatever it is, like, I, I need an app done. I need app. Okay. But with that, I see I'm probably gonna have to go buy me another one. But um I got to go to the bank real quick. But like he said, they want to help you fund your project. Period. Period. And so I want you to, I want you, I want you to um, fund your project. I want to help you. I want to help you. <laughs>